March 2nd, 2009, it's the Watt from Pedro show.
I'm all crushed up and I'm out of space for more dance. Just a pushed in face in a deepening mood. Something stronger. Tried anything but a punched out mouth, still bleeding words. No one makes out you're an injured ego, man. for Pedro show kind of a different one brother Matt it's yeah. a Monday night evening actually. evening show we have some guests yeah welcome hi Pete, Bob Styers <laughs> since they're not gonna <laughs> introduce themselves no. we have no couch people this time Pete. no <laughs> what's that about I have couch stories yeah, but first let me tell you what we played. We started the show with John Coltrane, live in Stockholm, Sweden, 1963, Training In. Then we heard Pushface Friend by Brian Flynn, who is nephew of Raymond Pettibone. Yeah, Brian. I got to uh, Brian Flynn. share the stage twice this weekend with Raymond and who's an associate of the niche makers. Mr. Bob Stiers was a, a witness too, right? Yes, it was now, what, quite... What was your opinion? I enjoyed it. Uh, it was kind of strange to see uh, things sort of slapdash on Friday and um, still a little slapdash on Sunday in a good way. Um, I didn't go. I really <laughs> thought, you know, they were enjoyable. And it was nice to hear Watt outside where the bass was rumbling the ground. Cool. <laughs> Second one was at Bergamot Station in Santa Monica. First one was uh, Spaceland in Silver Lake. That was last night. So what did you think of Robert Berman's trumpet playing? He did that at both gigs. Yeah. Yeah. Right up there with Jeffrey Lee And Pierce. he was uh, in, uh, interpreting Raymond lyrics. That's cool. For the last number. Uh, I was telling Brother Matt about the niche makers. Maybe you could elucidate on that. Geek? No. Oh, Me? I'm sorry. Geek didn't witness any no. of it. 
No, I wasn't. Well, that's sort of. Did you went to the being social thing Saturday? Amalgamation of. Um, Did you go? Musicians. Went. I don't remember. Raymond said he went. Where but was it, it? They kind of was no bands. It was just people bit. for the art. But where, where was it? Same place, Sunday. Okay. It was all around this thing for um, uh, an event called Paper, Scissors, Rock. Mm. Rock. Rock, Scissors, Paper. Rock, Scissors, Paper. <laughs> Rock, Scissors, Paper. You just lose. And it was uh, people with <laughs> art from punk scene like uh, Kim and Thurston and, and Gibby mm. and Daniel Johnston. Right. Well, you know, the highlight for me actually was, and I have to thank John uh, Cornway. Uh, yeah, Johnny put it together. I met, the, um, just before he, Raymond's last uh, show that he did, and um, explaining this whole concept, but he's the one. Uh, I was glad he was right next to me when you guys were doing Little Johnny Jewel uh, with Lee Ronaldo, and I just personally thanked him for bringing Lee Ronaldo out here. And uh, Lee was a highlight for me to see him up there with uh, a noose, and then to attach his guitar to it and. Uh, Proceed to do a sonic assault with drumsticks and whatnot, but yet keep it very melodic and not. Uh, it was it was fascinating. It was really nice to see full circle that sort of yeah, sonic well, youth. I asked you about niche makers. Niche makers. Well, they're kind of like a skiffle band. They're kind of like the Mekons. They're kind of uh, a little bit of John Wayne in terms of the. The kind of wasn't it a merry few, pranksters, funky, corny. Wasn't it humor. a few bands? I could see, uh, yeah, yeah. There was some side mice running all over the place. Um, in fact, really, um, Raymond didn't get. <laughs> was Raymond actually part of it? I yeah, he did. There's a, a baseball three. bat that says Raymond Pettibone and the Niche Makers, but I thought it was more like the Niche Makers occasionally with Raymond. No, he did the last three. One was called uh, "The Road Less Taken." Yeah. Funny. One was Frankie, and one I think was, uh, well, you asked me the word, right? Well, it's kind eponymous. of the eponymous, the equivalent of big country doing big country, the song called The Niche Makers. And uh, I kind of enjoy that, but it kind of reminded me of uh, Prairie Home Companion or something, you know, Garrison Keillor type of American, uh, middle America, cornball, um, with a little bit of an artsy meat con sort of, there was a Twister. poet involved, right? Evans Garvey? I kind of liked him. He reminded me of one of the Merry Prankster because he was yeah, kind no of outrageous, shoes. psychedelically outrageous without Sailor any Hall. electricity. He did Sky Pilot, Eric Burden's song, Acapella, Standing in Water. Um, it was pretty cool. That made it for me yesterday, you know. He got weirder yesterday at the gallery, which is good to see. He, you know, he broke it. He busted out into the pit. Yeah. He did some... Dancing that looked like the inspiration students. for the original, you know, Circle Jerks, uh, Skank, you know, Mosh. Skank, but nobody ever called it Mosh. No, the people that called it Mosh, that was when metal was in. It was the pit. Mm. Like, slam. They thank God I slam. had plenty elbows because, you know, if your hair was longer than an inch and a half in the old days, hey, hippie, I'm going to kill you, hippie. Yeah. You couldn't see this man's hair. He was wearing a flight cap. A sailor cap on Friday, but Sunday he had a aviator from first. Morning. Yeah, like I said, he had that horny <laughs> Americana sort of keezy Ken Babs, Stuart Brand thing that um, was kind of refreshing. He was a one-man show in and of himself, so 
In some ways, he was kind of the glue that held them together. He was kind of MC. Yeah, without any hammer. What's MC? Master, Master of ceremonies. ceremonies. We have a fine shoe for you tonight. <laughs> Before the Pedro, we have Topo Gijo. No, sir. Taking a side mouse. Senor Wences. Yeah. The guy's been right. in the plates. My no. name is Jose Jimenez. Sir. Right. 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 Hey. Raymond had that as lyrics. <laughs> Raymond was funny. He worked in Senor Wences. You have to know and, your uh, cultural literacy. And, uh, Los Pumpkin Heads. We were uh, recording the Los Pumpkin's Head album, and Raymond's doing the singing. And he worked in Senor Wences into one of the tunes. <laughs> he has this deadpan delivery. I want to hear the hear back. That if you aren't aware you were, of the You were for ta- uh, pho- uh, photographing. <laughs> we need to have a... Uh, <laughs> ta- you know, were you there <laughs> for one of the sessions, Bob? No, I... Uh, we have, we've had three so far. I mean, I want to hear... I'm looking forward to the... Oh, but you were taunting like you were going to try yeah. to come by. I taunt the gigs. You yeah. taunted the gig. <laughs> well, I think he needs one of those tele... You know, tele... Tele-taunters? So that we could, in the audience, can see the words, because Raymond's stuff goes over most people's heads, or they're not hanging on every word, which they would be if they knew what he was really saying. It was interesting. Assuming they could understand his obscure, literal... Uh, references. It was chock full of irony. Really, it's a trip. Very much so. <laughs> and done with his very much the straight man, Jack Benny. Sung a la Stan Ridgeway out of the side of the mouth, which he probably Stan is Ridge. not happy to hear that, but too bad, man. <laughs> you got up there. This is what we saw. <laughs> if nothing else, that'll make him think about something else now. You gotta keep a guy like that on his toes. It seemed like the whole band was a straight man. Yeah, they were. They were in search of a leader, I guess. Uh, <laughs> and Ron English was there, the artist, and he he wasn't in the band. He wrote the lyrics to for their their songs. So see, some pretty interesting. I thought album. Raymond wrote the lyrics. That's where I'm confused. Raymond wrote lyrics for Niche Makers. But for the Electric Illuminati or something? Oh, yeah. That was Rod English's. I think they were from Colorado, these cats. The guy had a bass made from a mannequin <laughs> calf and foot. Nice. He had me sign that thing. <laughs> yeah. He was kind of... And you did? After the second kid, he's a, yeah, he's a nice cat. But he was really worried if he was out of tune. <laughs> Well, I think I when he it. had you and Flea there in the audience, he's kind of getting a little self-conscious about his old bass there. You know, that could do it to anyone. Those mannequin basses are known for not staining too. <laughs> well, it's the plastics. Plastics. Yeah, it was a trip. You know? the, food, the guy, the guy who made it makes basses out of all kinds of shit. Found objects. It's, okay. Yeah, it's not just mannequin legs. Whatever you bring them, he... Work it Is that yeah. the guy from Idiot Flesh, or formerly known as Idiot Flesh, makes instruments too, like that? It's yeah. A bass guy that made it out of crazy stuff. Yeah, this was out of a mannequin leg. And, uh, yeah, at least Gig was really interesting solo. He didn't, he wanted, you know, what he does a lot with his solo things is he has uh, projectors, slides. I think it's called Light and Text or something he does with his wife, Leah. 
but the Spaceland had no facility for that, so he had to just do uh, guitar and uh, stomp boxes. And uh, he told me right before the gig he didn't know what he was going to do, but he improvised a really good set. I enjoyed them quite a bit. Actually. And uh, we had him come on board for the last three tunes, big jams. And uh, he had blown up one of the amps during his gig, so he had to plug into Tom's. They both were out of the same amp. Uh, Tom actually came up a song before and did a singing duet with Pete. These were the last two Second Men gigs for a while. So I got to switch over to Missing Men mode. But uh, he's kind of stiff the first gig, you know, Friday at Spaceland. And then uh, Sunday, he... Uh, took my mic and got off the stage. He was in the pit and dancing. Yeah, he's in a hell of a rage. Well, what about Bob Lee? He looked like he was having some major kindergarten yeah, kind of fun. The there. second yes. gig, we had Bob Lee come <laughs> wow, up. Wow, we. Up. And Tom brought a littler amp. I asked him why later. He said, the other one was too heavy. Man, I don't want to hear shit like that. <laughs> that can be a liability when you guys go on that 57-day tour there. Man, better be careful. <laughs> oh, they look at my hand. There's no little lunchbox, styrofoam, fish bobber. So, you know, I don't want to hear a peep with this 300-pound B5. You know, we don't want to hear that. Puts this little thing on the chair. So I, Bob Lee was, I guess he borrowed opening bands, Floor Tom and Snare, and was right behind Jer, so they were kind of duet drumming. And... Got to point one of the tunes where I wanted to hear Tom. So we got little, man. I mean, we were just barely playing. Still couldn't hear him. So I'm going to Bob Lee, you know. You can't see this on the radio, but I'm making a little clockwise motion with a finger. Yeah. <laughs> I'm saying, turn up Tom, turn up Tom. Well, he, uh, Bob Lee's done a lot of gigs, so hearing him. He thought I was saying, play out of time. Oh, like okay. I always give that to me. You know, start playing out of time. <laughs> Not I didn't know this till after, but now it made sense man, why all time. of a sudden the beat started going all whack. That's awesome, and I missed it. That's I'm cool. So That's sad right now. That's like um, yeah, Willie trying Chinese to change telephone. up the pace on uh, one one degree of Chinese telephone. <laughs> It was interesting, though. It was fun to play with people, your friends like that. And uh... Well, with Lee Ronaldo, even though you couldn't hear him at the start, just watching the intensity of him trying to plug in, Tom was playing a lot well, better. The amp he, he, was... he actually, Tom got into playing, um, seizing the moment somewhat. The amp he was using was blown up, so he, finally it was just like, he can't stop the gig. Geez, like Although that's we never did stop the second gig because they had the PA in a different ground than the stuff the amps were plugged to, and I was getting bit with shocks like motherfucker. That's artist for you. <laughs> and uh, you know, I think the, it the was... solution is you find the box that that's plugged into, and you just plug into the same. Man, that, that was hurt me, hurt me bad. Well, did you stop to pause and think maybe it was that haymaker you threw at one of the niche makers 
before the gig, then maybe she electrified None you on purpose. Those people who played sang really, so they didn't have the problem mm. of holding an amplified instrument and then their lips going on the mic, so they they couldn't know. Raymond was holding the lyrics. Raymond had a folder about two inches thick. Uh, kind of interesting, Friday before the gig, he's rewriting them all. Because, you know, it's kind of microfiche sized. <laughs> Sideways. And, yeah, he was a lot more nervous the first one. But yeah, I thought he did great both gigs. The humor came through more yesterday, I thought. Yeah, well, he... He was ad lemon a little more, and, and... Yeah, he settled into it. His body language was... What's the thing with the necktie around the leg? We were giving him a hard time about it. I'm sorry Jeff isn't here to explain the story, but... Uh, we said, you know, that should be used as a tourniquet, but that just, you know... That's a little a bit... Um, statement. You know, MTV, late 80s kind of stuff. It's a little weak, and uh, so he... Gave the tie away to Jeff. I don't know. He didn't seem to appreciate that comment too much. But, you know, I think he hadn't really thought about it either, though. I think it's a totem. I think he does it for luck. I have totems. I never thought of him as being all that superstitious. Well, why do you think he would wear it? That's what I think. That's my guess. I I haven't really... Interrogated that was his uniform. It's just know? like an ongoing joke with archaeologists. It was archaeologists. part of the niche he's trying to carve out. Just like an ongoing joke with uh, archaeologists. When you dig up something and you don't know what it is, you're just like, that's religious. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like you just said with the totem. <laughs> oh, yeah, totem, like a luck thing. I also know Talisman. about the ties because I have one. He gave me one that there is father's ties. His father had hundreds of these ties and has big box of them and so you know, I think it's like gambate or you know well, maybe that's a tribute to Regis which would be cool um, yeah. I, I could get into that I could believe that yeah, well, let's but get you think you're going to get a straight answer out of it
Everybody knows things are bad. It's a depression. Everybody's out of work or scared of losing their job. The dollar buys a nickel's worth. Banks are going bust. Shopkeepers keep a gun under the counter. Punks are running wild in the street. There's nobody anywhere who seems to know what to do, and there's no end to it. We know the air is unfit to breathe, and our food is unfit to eat. Watching our TVs while some local newscaster tells us that today we had 15 homicides and 63 violent crimes, as if that's the way it's supposed to be. We know things are bad, worse than bad. They're crazy. It's like everything everywhere is going crazy, so we don't go out anymore. We sit in the house, and slowly the world we're living in is getting smaller, and all we say is, please, at least leave us alone in our living rooms. Let me have my toaster and my TV and my steel-belted radios, and I won't say anything. Just leave us alone. Well, I'm not going to leave you alone. I want you to get mad. I want you to get mad. I want you to get mad. I want you to get up now. I want all of you to get up out of your chairs. I want you to get up right now and go to the window, open it, and stick your head out and yell, I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this
Watt from Pedro Show. Um, a chunk of music there. We started off with uh, a band called Say Hi to Your Mom and uh, a song called Let's Talk About Spaceships. And then we heard Bankruptcy from Soccer Mom, whose drummer is John Wicks, who also plays drums for Los Pumpkin Heads. Oh, him. Hey, John. You met him, Pig. Yeah. What'd you think? He's nice. He just had <laughs> twins. Oh, really? Yeah. Everybody's having twins. I think something is in the oh, water. It's a, it's a fertility... Uh, Some people are having... Oc- oh. Octoplets? Octoplets. Because they're implanting... Story. Um, I could give you the details, but... It, there's then a, we heard a band from Argentina called Futuro Primitivo... <laughs> and two minutes hate, which contains a Ooh. was a what was that called? That's my theme song. Network. Oh yeah, the movie. I'm sick of being fed. Yeah. All right. Reason, yeah. Network. Yeah. Gets everybody to say that. Mm. I think uh, Faye Dunaway's in it. Yeah. But it, that's not her. That's Peter Finch. Peter Finch. Peter Finch is yeah, like... Posthumous off. They make a, a gig out of his rage. Then we heard the cosmic plot with You Can't Stop Progress. And finally, To Get Her by Sailor Alexander. Now, Sailor plays guitar for Stab City. And uh, I was saying I was getting back into Missing Man mode because we've got a tour coming up of the U.S., April 17 to May 24. In the middle, we'll record my third opera. I come up with a new title for it. I ditched the old title, and I want to call it Hyphenated Man. And uh, Stab City has a residency at Old Town Pub in Pasadena. So they asked... um, Missing Man to play. So the first gig since... When was the last gig, Peak? You were there, right? No. Carson? The Warp Tour? Oh, oh yeah. really? No, it wasn't that long ago, was it? Yeah, it was. Oh, really? It was like wow. August. August um, 18th. Wow. Brother Mal was there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he was. <laughs> Isn't that funny? I don't remember, <laughs> but I remember <laughs> Brother Mal was there. It was a liquid kitty gig. Anyway, I think it was August 18th. Raymond was there, too. And so, yeah, Raymond was there. It's beautiful. So, let's count those months. September, October, November, December, January, February, March. Seven months. So the first gig back is with Stab City. Now, Sailor, that's his real name. I think he's from Redondo. Great name, man. Yeah. I could they were good Sailor. when um, they played Harold's <laughs> with you. That's right. I Great, was man. really impressed. Power trio. And um, they gave me the CD. And, um, he has an extreme way of playing guitar. But live they were just so much Townsend better. Thing. Uh, yeah. They need to do this a live... Guy. Uh, Did you see him? They need to record okay. a This guy, the way he plays guitar is incredible. Intense. They got some energy. His arms and legs and everything <laughs> flies all over. <laughs> Basie's kind of journeyman. Drummies. But the... Sailor is like 
Now this is this music I just played is some of his solo stuff where he's playing synthesizer and it's all calm and it's kind of like Michu cutting. But man, his he knows how to work a guitar. <clears throat> Much respect. Um, so actually, Tom getting up there and playing—that's the first time I played with him since the Warped Tour. Wow. So uh, we got some practice. I mean, Raoul's just doing some gigs with the Killer Dreamer in the Midwest. So when he comes back, got some practice and got to teach him an opera. So. One's different than the other two operas I had. Um, so hyphenated, is that... It doesn't like have a beginning, middle, and like the other two. This one has just middle. But to me it makes sense because I'm middle age. <laughs> it's kind of about me. So it's like the core of the continuum in the middle. You know, uh, I, I, uh, part of it is the little creatures in the Bosch paintings. And then part of it is some theories I have about the Wizard of Oz. And I was thinking about it when I was peddling this morning. Did Dorothy have a love interest? That's a good one. Yeah, because most schmaltz movies, you know, there's got to be a love interest. Toto. Or Kansas. Really, she doesn't have a love interest in that. She's like a girl, and that's part of my theory. It's a coming-of-age story for a woman, a young woman, uh, learning about men and uh, all these trips they go through to be men, what they think of as men. Yeah, you should get their little quality from the wizard. Right, you need the little the, the the medal, or you need the diploma, yeah. or the fucking clock. Because the guy is a guy who wrote it, right? Bomb. Yeah, that, that dude, he used to tell stories. A lot of those things were all variation. He had a collection of all right, kinds right. of stories that just got kind of reader digested down to the story that we know. Yeah, he, yeah, he had a pumpkin. Several Oz books. <laughs> There's several Oz books. Also, uh, he was involved in some business stuff or something. God, I should... Yeah, the thing remember so was he was pretty comfortable in his day, so he used to hang out and tell stories yeah. for kids. Some kind of marketing guy or something. I mean, an early version. I should read up on that. But the, the, the story is kind of interesting because when I was a kid and watching the movie, you know, I, I, it took me a while to realize that those, the three uh, principals, I guess you call them, they're the farmhands. They're the ones that have been working on the farm that she's growing up with. And... They all have this big problem with uh, esteem, right? And the wizard gives it to them. I mean, her big... It seems the women, you know, you're either going to be a good witch or a bad witch, but you got to be a witch. <laughs> they have a lot of options. Some kind of witch. There's a lot of... The lollipop guild and the monkeys... Yeah, there's a lot of in the pop field of poppies. Yeah. In the poppies, what's up with that? The whole thing. Well, there's one of those Oz books where there's flying heads. They had pumpkin head in one of them, too. So, No, they got like little wings, they fly around, they're just heads. Yeah. So, worth investigating. So, if people want to have a little hint of my thing, but. Uh, 
in some ways it is kind of like my older days because they're really tiny tunes. And the way I wrote it was interesting for me because I can't play guitar very well. But I wrote them all on the guitar. Oh, wow. On purpose and then wrote the bass lines to this palsy shit. And, and uh, just to get myself out. Actually, in many, many days I would write some songs on guitar I can't really hold a pick, you know. I just what kind of guitar would you use when you're writing? Let's say, do you have a favorite? I don't have many guitars. Uh, for this opera, I used one of the guitars that D. Boone's pop gave me of his. Ah, now that adds a little dose of magic to this little Wizard of Oz. This one's from Kent, uh, Ohio. Really? Yeah, it's a trippy one. It's a rosewood. Was it one that he used on tour? Or? Sometimes it's not the. I have the purple one too. That's the one he used a lot more. But that one that it was it, that one was in the boat when it wrecked, and all the strings got busted, oh. and so I never put new strings. Yeah. In fact, I had a freak out. I've only really looked at it once, twice, because the first time I I looked at it, I mean, it was many years later, and I opened up the case, and. It, D. Boone used leather straps, and his there was an odor to it. It was just yeah, like trippy, him. Huh? Yeah, and I could fucking see him for like a few seconds. I wasn't expecting it. I opened up the case. Mm, and, there it is. Yeah. Well, no, this one's still on. More leather. Yeah. And so I never put string. I never touched that one. But the other one, the one that I used for this opera. It's a black one. It's painted black. And uh, actually, I, the first time I got out of the case was to let Nails do the solo to Boiler Man on the con- first opera. He came the, I think, the fifth or sixth song. It's where I meet Dee Boone. It's called The Boiler Man. And so I didn't tell him this. I just brought it, you know, and then... It came time to do the song. We did one song at a time. And so I just pulled this uh, guitar out and I give it to Nels. I said, okay, now I want you to do a, a big guitar a solo in this song. And I want, will you use this guitar? Nels really ain't into Telecasters. So will you use this guitar here? And told him the story I mean the way we did it I told him the stories of all the songs all the songs were a part of the day to tell the story of the life of the Minuteman using kind of a parallel to my father's life as a sailor maybe <laughs> and so he went for it so if you listen to that contemplate in the engine room that Solo is different than all the rest because it's played on that guitar. But of course, it's Nels, so how many takes? Unifies a lot um, of things. Did you do? No, that is one. One take. Nels, Nels is like Petra. <laughs> one and done. Yeah, and that old yeah. Gibson. I still got Deep Boone strings on there. I don't want to yeah. mess that thing. Yeah, brother Matt's got the guitar. Um, Deep Boone did all the overdubs to Double Nickels on. Yeah, you wouldn't even want to touch the knobs, you know. No, that actually be didn't. Have, uh, didn't the knobs weren't in effect because he had a cord going straight out from the pickup. Oh, really? In those days, yeah. I love it. 
He went through one of these green thing, um, tube screamer. It's the only time D. Boone used a box. He never used effects, but for these overdubs for so, uh, solos on uh, double nickels on the dime. And he used that a lot. There's a famous picture of him playing that guitar with Charlie Hayden with us at McCabe's. That's the same one. That Was that the had. first time you played with him? Yes, one twenty. We only played with him once that time. You know, that was such a weird trip, just hearing you talk about it, because I went down to that show that night, and there was a big old line out in front, and yeah. we didn't get in for the second show, um, but we hung around long enough to hear D. Boone come outside and just say to no one in particular, we just jammed with this old dude, man, and just going on and bubbling, waxing, poetic it was so wonderful now that's one of my most pleasant deep memories we didn't even get to see the show we went home after that but that made the night and i hold on to that one with dear joy that that was the, i had no idea that was the only time he played with it you know me and deep boone we didn't grow up with jazz we didn't know about but i was raymond was turning me on to stuff so i knew about charlie Deep Boone didn't really know. Yeah, some old dude. Still <laughs> yeah, but but that Actually, just... Actually, he was that, probably in his late 40s. That, well, that airy sort of enthusiasm, but then it's ironic then you end up playing with, you know... Well, veteran. get this. More than that, Nels is playing Spanish guitar for the Liberation Orchestra, Charlie's band, and that's where I, I first saw him. And that's when I asked him. I don't know about Nels's new wave stuff and shit. The first time I saw him was with Charlie Hayden. And I asked him to open up. By that time, the Minutemen were gone. And it was early days of Firehose, and I asked him to open up just solo acoustic Spanish guitar. Really? Wow. He did it. And ever since then, I got to play lots with him. <laughs> but with Charlie, how did that transpire? That Was he on the bill that night, or was he no, just No, no, he's hang in out? the band. He's in the Liberation Orchestra. Yeah, I heard the stories. Oh, okay. Yeah, he's in Liberation Orchestra. And I saw this guy playing guitar. He's a very nice man. I was talking to him. He's obviously a little bit younger than the other cats. I think Bobby Bradford was in the band. There was a lot of good musicians in that band. And uh, De Boone played acoustic Spanish guitar. Not, not on stage and stuff, but at home and when we were boys. So I just thought, wow, that would be interesting. So I asked him to play, be open and act. So Charlie, important guy for doing that and for playing with the Minutemen. Now, what the song we did with him was um, "Little Man with a Gun in His Hand." And we tried to get little. It was sort of like Tom. Luckily, Georgie stayed in time, though. <laughs> I can't believe Bobby thought I said play out of time. I was turning my finger, you know, pointing at the amp, and I'm, you know, lipping, you know, turn up Tom. (laughs) I love it. Yeah. Okay, we're at the end of the first hour of March 2nd, 2009. Watt Peter Show. Hold tight for hour two. March 2nd, 2009. It's the second hour of the Watt from Pedro show.
on drugs that would blow your mind tonight. Real fine tonight. Blow your mind tonight. Out of my mind tonight. Tonight. Going out of my mind tonight. Out of my mind tonight. Blow your blind tonight. Would you like to come along? I'd like to come along. I've got drugs. Where you going, man? I've got drugs. Can I come wherever it is, I've got drugs. I'll do your dopes. I'll be a dope man. Out of the mist, there's a pimp. Out of the mist, there's a hooker. Out of the mist, there's a priest. Out of the mist, out of the mist. How could I miss you with your drugs? Out of the mist, how could I miss you with your druggy ways? Out of the mist, out of the mist, out of the mist. I kissed your lovely drug-filled lips. You sleazy prostitute, where's your your pimp friend? Where's your pimp friend and your priest? As he stood there and lectured to me on how I should live a fucking priest with the yeast infection, a drug problem that never existed. Out of the mist. I kissed your drug-filled lips.
Yo me cheat, 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 yo the second hours with a band from Belgium called the Dead Zulus and they had a tune called What? My name. Cool. Or my father's name. Kind of a tradition. Then we heard the Frogs uh, from um, Wisconsin. <coughs> Bob was telling us about uh, interesting things about Wisconsin. And uh, I've got drugs out of the mist and then we heard Cayudin, uh, something live from OWKMJ that's a code yeah that's a code and then we heard a couple demos um, YTF by Trio Band Desital and uh, Omachi <laughs> I should know this because they're from Italy <laughs> Omachidio <laughs> by Pat Penned, but I, it's a Pat period, Penned period, so I think Pat and Pending. Pat and Pending. Uh, hi. Um, so, Pete, no couch people. No, no couch people. I have one that but is now you, my roommate. There's not one, <laughs> not here, but there's one in your pad. Yeah. And now, it's, it's gone further than just Couch surf. Well, it's I, roommate. Uh, yeah. We had to stop. You know, after six, seven, eight people last month, I need to stop. <laughs> have Be- a break? Well, it's Did like, you have more people uh, inquiring? Well, you can set a, a level whether or not you're available. A threshold? Yeah, threshold. <laughs> I, I, it's kind of weird because after they're all gone, I felt very lonely. <laughs> so you're jonesing? Yes, and I, but I try to keep in touch with most of them after they gone back, and most of them they were on vacation, so they basically just went back to work. Oh, you mean they're they're yeah. catch tour? Yeah. So, um, and, and my job is to make sure that all of them are grown into their full potential, yeah. best people that they can be. So <laughs> I have to keep in touch and make sure that they do so. 
Right. Maybe that's why they see part you of at your the nur- end of the nurturing tour. man. Yeah. <laughs> right. Your nurturing side of you. <laughs> so maybe the new one then we will figure out a way to. No, I can see Pink in a financial. few years. She'll be one of the ladies with the pigeons and the cats. And the cats, absolutely. <laughs> That'll be after this financier um, figures out. You know, how I mean, when they get the wagon out. <laughs> you know. yeah. Actually, there's some guys doing it too. Yes. There's a cat down at Royal Park, so it's not all women. To be yeah, fair. They got their no, guys got the pigeons. The yeah, yeah. There's a bunch Fermin. of creatures that uh, they got. I mean, and they've got that. It all worked out. They got hatchback cars and they got the <laughs> wagons. And yeah. Sacks of chow. Aspiring to be that. <laughs> well, you, you, you intern with couch tour guys. Yeah. Then you that move up so to sad. cats. But yeah. however, couchsurfing couch is the shit because there is a forum that I feel like it's going to take over Craigslist because, you know, one of the main complaints with Craigslist is like you don't know who you're talking to. What it is Craigslist? I've heard about it. I thought it was so like Recycler. Yeah, it's basically it is, really, an, online yeah. an online recycler. With it's just is that more? Just the way it's so yeah, Spartan in terms of the graphics, yeah. you know, it's, it seems like a thing where you it's can bulletin board. Yeah. Uh, like join bands, no It's flakes. almost more like the yeah. old yeah. original Bukowski era <laughs> LA Free Press, you know. Yeah. So it, it, uh, I guess that's a revenue thing, you know, the the sort of the vice, uh, vice part of that. But, um, but somehow it's become known for like... Illicit activities. Yeah, right? because there's a whole section of, you know... Um, Chance encounters or something. A variety of freaks. <laughs> so Craigslist. Yes. Happy endings. So you, you're selling more than baseball slingers. cards from the closet. Whatever it is right. that you're into or want, you um, can find it there. Right. Yeah. Well, the band ads used to be interesting in Recycler. Must yeah, have own transpo. Well, some bands. Um, isn't that how X, <coughs> X the members of X met that I remember. Uh, there was one. It was uh, have. Uh, have management, have record deal. Yeah, of course. Uh, wanted drummer, guitarist, bassist. I mean, he had everything <laughs> but the band. But he had all the... all the. This is normal. Well, that's kind of like the monkeys yeah. are like that. Guilty answering an ad said, uh, Beer Bust and Blues Band needs bass. No stars or wimps. Slobs, <laughs> welcome. You end up in the rhythm pig. Oh, wow. <laughs> I love it. Some of them are like, you know, no flakes. So, um, like when you go, well, I'm kind of flaky, you give me a shot. Must have own equipment. Yeah, like yeah, that's <laughs> definitely. So with the cow surfing forum and things, it's like... Serious only. <laughs> I like that one too, serious only. Serious Must only. Must like prep. Yeah, so I, I, um, I started making... <laughs> <laughs> Wait, come back. So I start putting posts up for little things I so need. So you're, you're saying that the couchsurfing.com is competition for the Craigslist? Yeah, because they start having like a bulletin board-ish with forum. And so people that can actually check each community. other. Yeah, it's a community. Yeah, so I, I put up little posts like, you know, my car is messed up. And I got a mini specialist <laughs> contacted me that, well, actually it's a long story, but in short, is that he is going to help me fix my car once oh, and for all. Oh, that would be great. And almost, he's going to maybe use it for a book project. 
Um, maybe. And what, that, how to heal a lemon? Yes. <laughs> and how to take it back to the factory and get Michael Morton. Absolutely. It. So, and then I put a post up for like, I need web, uh, you know, somebody help me in the web, back back end of web thing that I, I was struggling with. And in minutes, like somebody's like, oh, I just wrote a book on that. You know, I will help you for dinner. You know, <laughs> like... So it's- it beats hanging out at a coffee house in Silver Lake. Yes, absolutely. So, Pete, yes. do you feel that, I mean, at this point, it sounds like maybe that the integrity factor and reliability of these people is pretty high, whereas Craigslist is yeah. more skeptical people are because... Because you can look you at get these the people grifters profile. Start, grifters start coming Predator. in. Predators. Predators um, see an entryway, a new... Entryway into the world. Or well, just because of the reference system, you can see people. You know, if they've been vouched yeah. for. In Craigslist, you don't know. Anything. You don't. Yeah. You don't. Um, so, so the, yeah, that, I went to the first local couchsurfing LA gathering, which happens all the time. And this one was a bonfire last Saturday, because you know, if I start asking for favor locally, I kind of have to show up to these things, and it's. Yeah, it's it's kind of a weird thing because people came from all kinds of background and for some reason, if money is involved, it's like completely forbidden. We don't talk you about barter, money. Barter service. Yeah, it's completely so you, barred. you had to do a circumcision. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, th- I think you yeah, would be like good a, at that. The butthole surfers, you know, <laughs> used to show those films, right? Very but, educational. Yeah. Um, no, that's sexual. Sexual reassignment. SPK. SPK. That's different. That was a bad so anyway, so that's that's the last I want to say about that. Yeah. So, but <laughs> as far as so you you're still using the the resource. Yeah. But you're not really uh, facilitating uh, people confident in your pad. Right. But now now there's a talk about like uh, a gathering as a group and go volunteer our time to do something together. Uh. <laughs> and it's kind of going in every that which way. That could be good or bad. Like without borders. Yeah. yeah, well, that's exactly... the people l- fucking each other. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, next thing you know. The last... Uh, the uh, circle. Bonfire last Saturday, we they coincide with the, a burner group. So it was like over 100 people. It's a burner group. Burning man? Yeah. They have little beach burns once in a while. Yeah. Oh, it's like so mini... whoever in the region goes and just oh. uh, uh-huh. burn yeah. stuff. But I still don't Karma. get the burners. It's like a primal thing. DJ. Have you gotten fire any, dances? Oh, have you gotten any bounce out of the widespread exposure of the what from Pedro show audience? You know, were those two worlds intertwined? Maybe the the fans of this show and <laughs> these couch people. That might be an interesting hybrid there. They do get random email from people who are looking for just happened to come upon my website because of the search on Mike and uh, I'm sorry I'm drinking <laughs> well I'm here to turn people on to some new sounds so uh, it's my honor and privilege to bring Brother Matt aboard for some spin cycle cool thanks this is the intro most listeners will never hear this section of the track. It is used primarily for QA, mixing, 
and of course, to create a dramatic effect that will entice the listener to hear more. Sound. That's a fun 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 sound.
possible placement of intent to pretend for this potential to grasp this. Past this, looking with tactics, semantics, silky, polyrhythmic magic tricks, stretch, double dip, kick, flip, flick, lip, linguistic, cryptic, in the current light, centric, no metaphor, twist and stutter in the skin.
Brother man, Ooh, thank for the spin you. cycle. Thank you. Bob was digging that bass sound and synthesizer. Righteous, bad. Right, Bob. It's very nice. You know, we've been talking about some different kind of bass. You know, Jocko Pastorius to to laser bass, to yeah. laser bass, baser face, eraser head, eraser head. <laughs> That's a synthesizer, that soundtrack. I think Peter Ivers did that soundtrack. You know that, right? Um, from New Age, New Wave Theater. New Wave Theater. They call it New Wave, but that's one—the only show that delivered on some punk rock. You get far forty-five Grave on there. I think it was a cable access you know, channel. Were the germs around there? Weren't they? Uh, I don't know. I never saw the show, but we were on the taping. You used to be able to get it the, set the up video all the bands. It was, I think it was the Florentine Gardens or something up in Hollywood. I'm not sure. Maybe. But anyway, they set us all up and then they moved the cameras around to each band. Oh, yeah. To your songs. They do that on that. Jules Holland is the guy that started that. The guy had, uh, Peter Ivers, the host, had a see-through green plastic cowboy boots and uh, he was LA's greatest gay entertainer awesome. ever I think you know? a t-shirt that, was awesome. that had the, the rips and then uh, the, the rips put back in with safety pins and one of them said is their life is uh, is their life on Mars you know like the boys said and I remember him asking D. Boone so what's the fascist scene like in San Pedro and D. Boone goes you've never been to Pedro <laughs> I think he knew how to get people fired up. Took a little personal. What, was it? Was was he being? He was kind of a small man. A a, a dick about it or ill informed? Would you consider? No, but he, no, he was being silly or something. Because he used to say some weird, like trippy yeah, poetry shit, to, to where he was very, you know, hyperbolic, way over he the top. He was trying to be yeah. trippy. I mean, he wasn't trying. He was trippy. Yeah. 
Well, when he had one of those trippy bands, I mean, he'd go, ladies and gentlemen, you know, the plugs. So you like, actually saw that show? Yeah, it was used to be on a show. Um, Some cable access, Going on to this right? thing. I think USA had that thing, Night Flight or something. Well, these shows weren't on there, but they were on public access or... They got shown, and then when video cassette first came out, you know, rock was slow to get into the equation. I mean, the, the Rolling Stones hadn't even released the movie Rolling Stones Rock and Roll Circus, you know, that TV program. That's when people started to release things like that that had never been broadcast. And new this, this new wave theater, they you know, put together an hour and a half. Tequila Mockenberg. Really? The lady up in Hollywood. Yeah, she was one of uh, Peter's assistants. Well, he, um, I mean... He put together, I mean, those were severe packages um, of groups, you know, You'd, or just groups nobody outside well, of that. around the LA of, scene, you know. but like, yeah. So I mean, you, the, you would have like Nervous Ginger in, uh, with 45 Grave and. Uh, punk scene in LA was very small. But he was. Most people didn't um, know about it. This, did you ever see the show? He was this flamboyant uh, gay guy that um, really. Broke new ground, kind of, and just being himself and kind of bringing in these cool bands. And then they never, he was murdered, they never solved it. It's fishy. I mean, you know, it was just hush hush right away, right? It was like this jockey, you know, in Pasadena, Chris Antley. Nobody discussed it afterwards. Yeah, Yeah, it was very tragic. Because he was a nice guy. Yeah, he was kind of silly and stuff, but he was. But he had something, you know, he had it, took it to a higher gra- level um, in terms of just bringing together some bands that well, couldn't get on TV access, and getting them all on at one time. That's getting access for bands at that time when the, the only other cat who was letting, uh, like, Square John's here was uh, Rodney. Yeah. Bingenheimer. Yeah. He would play on K-Rock on Well, Sundays. he was amazing the way he, he bridged that Brian Wilson to whatever... Yeah, he would play. He was very nice about. It. He was a DJ at Starwood. Yeah, and then wasn't he? Well, what was that? Well, he had Bingenheimer's the, he had the, he had English the disco. Before, yeah. There's pictures of Iggy at that place. Was, was that on Santa Monica Boulevard? Where was that located? Radio show. Where was that located? It was called Rodney's English Disco. Yeah, they have pictures of Iggy from there, like in you know, seventy four, seventy five. And yeah, the Runaways and all that. Well, that's sort of where thing. he does the little theater where he had Ronnie whip him in the Nazi suit. Yeah, I picture Kim Fowley being involved in that somehow because remember Ronnie told me about that. He said uh, Iggy had come earlier and said, "I want you to come and to this thing I'm doing, this play, and beat me in a Nazi outfit." And uh, you know. Uh, Ronnie said he couldn't really hit him hard. And Ig was telling him, hit me harder, hit me harder, and he just couldn't do it, you know? He's his friend. So some guy took the thing out of Ronnie's hand and started <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. So he really? gets up in the street. I mean, it goes outside the place into the street, and he's all bloody and everything. And Ig runs off, and Ronnie said he didn't see him for years after that. Whoa. Yeah. Wow. I think the, the maybe the hospital thing came up right around there. Wow. Well, yeah. You would never know that. I mean, Ronnie's image seemed a little fiercer um, 
when none of us no, really knew about him. Really nice guy. He that, took that care he's of a just lot really... of cats and possums and raccoons. And... Oh, well, and just and the stories of, I mean, <laughs> I can just imagine people. Iggy <laughs> at a certain degree of wasted and him tying a belt to the two of them so that Iggy doesn't go jump in the pool or whatever. You know, it's, it's like... Oh, there's stories in Please Man. Kill Me. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, I read that when it came out. I loved it. It really <laughs> makes me want to read it again, I guess. Okay, we're at the end of the second hour. March 2nd, 2009. What from Peter Show? Hold tight for hour three. March 2nd, 2009. It's the third hour of the Watt from Pedro Show.
how I profess my love to you, baby. I'm heading down to four or five late tonight just to try to get across this early town. It's got about three hours worth of traffic to get to you, baby. I'll try to make it within an hour just to find you. Get there, but I know I'll get there. But will you be true? Babe? Will you be true now? I got to know, little darling. Tell me who's loving who. I've been hitting about nine thousand miles an hour, but just to try to get across town. I looked at every passing car and never went open every doorway, everywhere across town. I called ahead, babe. I called ahead just to tell you how much I love you, babe. Instead, I got my own voice. I go on message, babe. Something kind of blue, babe.
and our long back Just wandering back I'm sitting here now, darling I'm thinking about how much of a rush I had to get across through town It was just like magic, babe Just like a rabbit out of a hat Just like a thing I had to do Just to show you, darling Just to show you, babe Now, dad, tell me who's loving who Oh, loving who Oh, that's the question I'm asking you, babe Loving who, dear mom? Oh, it's what I'm after you, boy. from Pedro Show started the third hour out with Sowing Seeds of Dumb by Solar Wimps then Glass Sun by Gigantic Hand Salty Breeze (laughs) by Slings Salty Breeze by Slings I think they're Orange County and Who's Loving Who from Shane O'Brien Shane O'Brien's an ironworker here in Pedro, and he plays blues on the side. He, uh, remember that 100 guitar thing? Well, yeah, it's actually 64 yeah. guitars, 20 basses, and a drummer. Is that Glenn Branca, or what's Branca's that? Branca's Symphony Number no. 13 at Disney, and Shane was there. Yeah, he never heard of Branca or any of that kind of music, but everybody was sitting around him, helped him out, and he was really into it. Yeah, he brought his uh, book down, you know, to show the guys at work, had the guys sign, uh, musicians sign it so he could show them. And uh, that's something cool. new they just recorded in town, local. Uh, I think some gigs are coming up at Harold's. Somebody was telling me. I'd like to check that place out. You've never been to a gig there, Pete? No. Oh, you've been missing out. Yeah, there's a. Do, uh, are, are they going to be receptive of me as an outsider walking in? A lot of the people <laughs> at the gigs. It's getting better, but it could go away. You know, if it, you if don't it, want to get there. Well, a couple if not, hours early, I will you know? definitely show up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's good to feel it. Then you can, you know, let it out. Because I love the feeling of being alienated and outsider. Well, they have the the dude is like Isaac Hayes, only about a foot taller, and he threw that guy dude that was dancing, but it's yes. kind of a you know he kind of spun him the hell out of there. He went up there, no doubt. No, but I thought that guy was okay. Yeah, Isaac Hayes or the dancer? The dancer. He, no, he was doing interpretive. Guy was okay. Yeah, but you know what? He was he he knew your music a little bit. I, I really believe the guy was. No, that guy he was from Hungary or something. 
because he started yelling, yeah. this is communism. Well, that's a good... <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, to do that in Pedro with an accent, you know, not acceptable. This is... A, he goes, I ran away from this. <laughs> they went rust belt on him, man. <laughs> I ran away from this situation. I think the guy thought he was Baracho, but he wasn't. He was just getting into it, and he was kind of tripping. He wasn't threatening anyone, because I was standing right there. I know, I know, I know. He didn't invade anyone's space. Dude, he was right in front of me when I was playing. Doing the interpretive dance. Yeah, <laughs> yeah but he was within Pete Townsend striking distance, you know. You could have broken the Rickenbacker over. No way. You haven't done that since you threw uh, a shoe back at someone? Or? Once I threw a quarter. Like, I was get, we were getting hit with a lot of money. This was in the fire hose days. And I was at Roseland, New York, and a bunch of money was coming up. And Big money, like silver dollars. Oh, or like nickels and quarters. And this quarter hit me, and I picked it up, and I threw it. And, but, you know, I didn't, I'm not that good of an aim, and I hit the guy, ne- the guy next to the guy who threw it was totally into the gig, and I just saw his face turn. Aww. You learned yeah. a lesson that day. So, yeah, it's like I when you're a thing back again. I, I used to never really, I don't know why that upset me, because usually I, I, I I took it. Were these well? <laughs> hey, it wasn't like it wasn't like baseball where they throw D batteries at you from the upper deck. I, I got mean. hit with battery. What I now? What is that? Nine volt battery. I got hit with C cell. Well, let me ask you, what is yeah. that American equivalent of gobbing? I mean, that seems a little bit more hardcore. That's you uh, could kill someone with a man, D battery. I've been hit with a lot of stuff. But what is the I, when they throw it? Is bag, uh, paper bags puke? Paper bags of shit. Cups of piss. Uh, so we've heard this one. <laughs> oh, that's disgusting. But I mean, was was this in tribute though? The batteries and that probably can't get his injured. The non-body <laughs> fluids that were thrown at you would you know of metal or cigarettes. Yeah, the metal. But, but the batteries is that supposed to be like right on, man, or is it? Are they trying to stone you off stage? That's I don't what know. I what do you think? Yeah, I didn't <laughs> yeah. ask anyone. I, either way, I don't <laughs> like it. What was the purpose of that bag of shit? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Excuse me. So you didn't give him your, your Keith Richards like, yeah. No. Either you cats cut that out or we don't play. No. He just kept going. Soldier on, man. And, you know, this I is live how to it tell goes. about it. Isn't like Metallica where you can hear these beer bottles clanking off the guitar neck? Man. Jeez. Yeah, I never had a beer break on me, but I've had them break around me. I mean, last summer in some Stooges gigs, there was uh, beer bottles coming up. Okay, and I don't know if people intend to hurt people. Sometimes I think they just get into it, and you know. <laughs> well, John Lennon said, and when the Beatles played in Amsterdam, that if a fight didn't break out at a live gig, then they didn't play with well, the shit. They were there was flat. A lot of fights. They were flat, especially in the old days. It'd be around the end of the gig because of the alcohol and, and usually didn't have much to do with the band. But sometimes it did. I saw a fight at Lords of New Church and it had that like Manson, Stone, Devil Worshipping, bad hard drug crowd that I'd ever seen. And the imagery that they played with that death stuff, I don't, it was kind of tongue in cheek, but these people were taking it um, yeah. there was seriously and they were not just fighting to pop. Tell someone to shut up. They were like uh, out for. Well, I was with the shit. second man at Alex's, and there was a fight. Uh, break up. 
was a guy in San Diego. It's just alcohol and stuff. Did you, yeah, you've never had a... San, a, San Diego in Banyan gig. He was, he that's was, right. He was getting mobbed. In fact, that, that guy that, that conked at his house. He did? After the guy got beat up, you conked at his house? He uh, left the gig. No, I usually have. His name's Chuck. He's good people. Oh, really? Oh. That was just a liquor, liquored up thing. Where was he that? He was at? attacked. Because I, w- I was going to, going to attack him myself. The cow's bar? Really? Where was it? I was really close. One more... The guy with the camera. No. The guy with the camera ran after him. Yeah. And probably punched him. That's my friend. Okay, yeah. He took care of that guy. Chuck but, was cool. But you know what I mean? Does it, does it really have to do a lot with a band? I don't think so. I think it's uh, liquor, uh, being around women... <laughs> So did yeah, you women other have that effect no, on no, guys? No, no, getting uh, competitive with each other, maybe. <laughs> oh, it's Pedro it's Macho World. Well, did your band <laughs> ever get punched? The fights from? don't just happen in Pedro. No, this but, was in San Diego. She's talking about. But did you ever have? Um, Actually, Ocean Beach, which is yeah. a laid back kind of Hermosa Beach town. It doesn't mm, matter. It's not that. It's it do, not it, that laid back. It doesn't matter. Know? Ocean Beach is. It's you're getting close to military. It's not that laid back, you know. But I don't know. Did, did you ever have anyone? It's got a burger place called Ho Dad's. <laughs> and Grimmy's is down the street, right? Yeah, yeah, I mean it's kind of laid back surfer town. But did you get? It doesn't matter because the situations happen at those things. Uh, probably cover bands have fights going on, <laughs> especially in, in, those yeah, bands. You know, I'm sure. <laughs> it's you know people. Uh, some people maybe challenged with social skills being amongst other people and especially even more challenged liquored up or mm. I don't know maybe they're bringing some rage from the office did you go to what did you said you, know, you went to Greenland with the Stooges no no Iceland Iceland, Iceland. is that when you went on the uh, northern tour where you could see the global I saw a bunch of stuff on a trip there I saw uh, glaciers I saw geysers. I swam in a uh, natural spring lagoon. I saw the only place where the uh, Teutonic plates are exposed. What's that European, look like? You know, it's a big old. It's a pretty trippy. Big fault. Yeah, it's a big fault, right? And it's actually you. Know, where they had this, uh, they didn't. They had to orally memorize the law. So they had some guy who'd holler, who'd memorize oh. the thing and holler the law. And they used this place that had really good acoustics in that fault. They'd have a big council meeting, and this guy would yell wow. the law. Remember, they always go on the uh, the ice uh, for the furs on those uh, icebergs. Always in threes, right? Because if it ends up two, they become the married yeah. couple. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> That's where a triangle That's becomes a line segment. Yeah. <laughs> and they fight. And then eater eater be eaten. No. Yeah, so next month, I'm going to try to travel around the U.S. And I'm gonna, We're on tour next month? Yeah, I'm going to give a shout-out over there. I'm looking for couches. <laughs> Couch tour? I'm trying to do organic kinds and the website kind. But um, I'm shooting uh, New Orleans Jazz Festival. Did I mention that? No. Yeah, no. I'm heading there, and I'm an official photographer. <laughs> it looks All like right. a pretty yes, interesting yes. bill they have this year. Um, yeah. You know, it's, some really successful mixed in, more so than ever before, maybe. Um, but... A good blend. No Young will be there at the end. Um, so it's going to be my first and 
experience couch surfing and, and of course I don't know moderation. In New Orleans, <laughs> <laughs> moderation's not in the yeah, yeah, yeah. Would so, you say so, brother man? I'll be there yeah, like twelve days. Like a hurricane. <laughs> yeah. So are you playing any festival this year? Um, Are you going back to the old school stage, the WAP tour? <laughs> I don't know. I you know had some uh, fans yesterday that saw you. I'm going to try to do another tour in, in the fall because I'm going to try to get the record out in the summer and then do a tour on it. With the missing. So I have yeah with missing. So you guys are going to do two tours. Yeah. One. The first tour. This tour is called Prack in the Opera because that's what we're doing. How many dates <laughs> are you doing? It's 36, and in between we'll make the. Record and then do another thirty plus dates after. No, in between the thirty six. It's from April seventeenth to May twenty four. Mm. Do the math. Hey, I might meet you somewhere oh, okay. out there. So oh. they will come back Wiseman after recording a record, an opera. At Tony Mamoni's studio in Brooklyn. Tony Mamoni was bass oh, player from yeah. Darubu. Yeah, that's Big great. Line. That's a welcome addition. So, very excited. Is he producing like the record? Or? He's going to be there, for sure. Brother oh. Tony. So you don't have a producer. It's kind of like Steve... Albini just records the music. He doesn't produce it. Steve Albini's in Chicago. Yeah. No, do you have a... Some friends of mine are going to record with him soon. Uh, from Tokyo, Light, that band that I toured with. In fact, it was one year ago, this week, I was on tour in Japan with yeah. Brother Sister's Daughter. First time I got to play the uh, smaller underground scene. Yeah, it was very interesting. Sounds like fun. Yeah, I had three big adventures there. Like, two albums and a tour. What about this last bit you did? Um, is that going to be released? Any of those released? That's why we record? recorded them. <laughs> I know, but I mean, it sounded like you were quick on the mix when you came back, and I haven't heard anything since, so wondering. No, they're being mixed. They were quick on the record. Okay. We did one album... In two days, and one album in three days. And uh, Mr. Shimmy's mixing the, the one I did in May with them, uh, and that's the one with Richard Meltzer's Spiels. Oh. It's called Spiel Gusher. And there's a. Uh, Mr. Shimmy is a perfect name for him, too. Uh, poems, pieces, and uh, 15 other pieces of music, so it's. Uh, no, 13 other pieces of music, so 63 songs or, or bits. Kind of long, I think. It's 72 minutes. How long have you been working on this? It's interesting. Th three days. We did it in three days. We, we came up with 65 pieces of music in three days. Wow. Well, him That's and his strange. wife are amazing musicians. As Nels can tell you, because they were the same two that did the brother-sister-daughter. Mr. And that Shimmy. was only nine songs, but they were longer songs. Is Mr. Shimmy the guy that plays himself? He actually plays that real kind of soothing soft guitar. He plays all right. kinds of guitar. But I mean, he has that aspect. He, in fact, he was involved with the Yoko Ono recording, the Plastic Ono band, last uh, two weeks ago. That's cool. Because yeah. he seemed to have like this sort of soothing, almost Jerry Garcia-like uh, feeling, to, if that's the one... That I've heard on many songs that you played on is, you know, yeah, you know, yeah, sort of, yeah, like Jimmy too. Yeah, it's a soothing. He's a great, a great guitarist. 
So, but he's a big, huge uh, fan of Mr. Nell's. That's why I brought him. When I was recording with him in May, he was talking a lot about him. And I said, yeah, well, I'll bring him. So back to cow surfing. No, <laughs> just kidding. No, um, so you'll be in New York, I'm sorry, when? April 16th, you said? Well, nine of these gigs on this tour um, are with uh, Jay Maskus. Yeah. No, Dinosaur. But Jay's playing with him. Oh, really? Okay. Uh, yeah. The, the Southeast. So yeah, I'll be I'll be up in uh, northeast around first week of May. Oh, just missed it. There'll be a couple weeks coming back. Not cool. So thirty six songs. No, thirty songs. Thirty songs. Yeah. How many days do you think you're, you're going to take? Three days to record it. Yeah. No Europe this year. Europe. Hmm. Probably not. I told you I want to make a spring tour and a fall tour yeah. of U.S. This is going to be a break. This tour is to uh, do the album, get ready and do the album. And then the other tour will be of, uh, to tour the album. <laughs> I see. So let me ask you, does it um, feel kind of like maybe not so bad to take a little breather from having your passport stamped, you know, a zillion times to just kind of not be flying off a lot here and there? Well, you're driving in the boat. Yeah. I know what. I'll take you to Thailand. A slow I li- boat to I China. I like going to foreign A countries. slow boat to China. But you know, uh, think about it. I, last Mike Watt tour in the U.S. was 2004, so we're coming on five years, so it's good to come back. Yeah, they, they might have to force you to retire the man in the van thing if you don't get out there at least every five years, you know. I just I just want to make sure that I factor into some well, point I, of this tour. I wasn't against <laughs> uh, touring. It was just I had obligations for the Stooges. So it was hard to plan a full U.S. tour. Right. But this is, a, you're breaking new ground with the idea of recording a new record no, in the middle tour? did it with the third album, Iffin. No. Out of town Ohio. did you record it? It's done in Painesville, okay. Ohio, which is the place where Perubu used to record at Suma Studio and we did it in the middle of a tour well it would seem to me that that makes more sense than 1989 so maybe 20 years ago I did I'm almost surprised that not everyone does that but I think very few do I know Neil Young likes to play the songs live before he records them Um, on crowds that don't know them it's kind of weird Um, but I I think it makes sense you should be tight but yet you should be at your peak Right in the middle. Peak. <laughs> Good idea. Uh, yeah, you know, we'll see. <laughs> Are you going to try and get the thing released this year? <laughs> Or are we going into the next Bob, decade? this is why I'm going to do the fall tour. <laughs> A promotional tour. Well, I guess. But the record will be out, hopefully, and then uh, tour on it. This cool. tour is to make it. The other one is to... Uh, Break it. Play it for people who might have it. That's cool. Because when we play these things for people, it's going to be new for them. You know, I think people like that. And then you'll have that other side that will really appreciate seeing you just before you record. Because I would think a band would be 
pretty much have their chops down when they're ready to, to after 30, you know, or however many dates. Um, it's in the middle. You know, 15 to 18 approximately, sure. Um, these are pearls to be passed on. Clams. Yeah, you don't know. You don't know uh, what, what it'll be. You roll yeah. the dice. But uh, Tom and Raul, uh, I have faith in them. And I haven't played with them a lot since the summer. So uh, I thought this was an interesting way to do it. Yeah. Instead of hole up in the practice pad, why not do it, do it in front of people? That's a significant number of songs. Um, Just testing it out. You know? see, what it, see what they say. Is there any batteries throwing to the stage? <laughs> no. Uh, see what kind of things you collect at the end of the so night. So this sounds like, um, lengthwise, it's about the same. You know, say, um, Engine Room or the second opera. Yeah, but a different way of doing it. The second opera was nine songs. Well, 30 and 43, that's... Uh, the clip that I grew up with I like the number yeah I would, that's what I was saying before, uh, earlier this is kind of a return to some of the old days you know let me but ask it's not going to be Minuteman but it's, it's it's some ideas of the old well you know having small format tunes but it was just the uh, if you look at the Bosch paintings they're made up of li- a lot of little images and it, I just it struck a resonance in me, man. I've been here before with uh, some uh, earlier music I used to do. Do you think that... And I actually got the idea when... Um, kind of the idea. When the uh, Jamie Cano documentary was done. Because I, I really couldn't listen to Minutemen for a long time because it would make me sad. And I had to hear a bunch of it for that documentary to be, be part of it. And it was... Uh, trippy the way those songs were they were really little and no filler no none but the second opera was about sickness and if you've ever been sick time really slows down seems to slow down so they they, they had to be long drawn out things you know these are operas these are pieces so <clears throat> it's not just musical mechanics I'm, I'm trying to uh Transmit uh, thematic stuff, huh? Well, that's that's a tight story. I mean, to fit that in forty-three minutes, um, you know, think things like Tommy or or longer, or uh, unless you want to do a mini opera. Maybe it is mini opera. I guess I don't know. I call them operas because they're all about one thing. Yeah, so it has. uh, So that's all. They're all united. Some people call them. I was told. Uh, concept records or uh, song cycles. That's what yeah, they. I've been, I've been given. Tommy was the one they always said but was the first my... concept or Days of Future Past, Moody Blues. You know, like, but you don't think of it that way so much as that it's a tight story from beginning to end. For uh, the one reason why I call them that uh, is because I'm not. I never did that shit before contemplating the engine room. I didn't write big pieces. I wrote small things. So this idea of having whole things united around thing, one trip was uh, new for me so I called it opera okay, punk opera well you know I heard Pete Townsend said that um, the idea of an opera he felt was that in his lyrics he could use get take more liberties with the narrative 
and things that would seem that doesn't make sense wouldn't work in a film because it's auditory you can take more liberties with the extreme well I was kind of thinking that I just can't get across what I want in one song I need more songs I need a whole album worth well this piece you did with Meltzer is where I'm, I'm at wondering if these little well, short Meltzer. pieces well, yeah, are those long pieces that's or? Richard Richard gave me 50 poems 50 right. spiels and so that's you know that right there set that up like that but didn't you say that you did a, a goodly number of instrumentals no, I did the, the the music last May for these. Right, but but he gave me the spiels first. But there weren't some that without spiels, just they all had a spiel. Then they all had no. vocals. No, the spiels were put to them later. Mm, okay. All of, all the music was done as music, little bits. We'd say we'd come up with something, take some kind of riff and put it to the other two. They play, turn on the recorder, get a couple minutes of it. I, well, it sounds their, like their English isn't sparring. I mean, I gave them the the Richard Spiels, but mm-hmm. their English. And Richard uses a lot of irony and satire. Mm-hmm. That's some of the hardest stuff to translate. You can't really. You can't. Yeah, you know. So it was more uh, we were uh, coming together as three people to make the music, mm-hmm. and then. They trusted me to put poems. Sonic poems. Based well, I'll on take Richard Spiels that were already done and put them to our musics. Now, did you... Uh, curiously... Well, I, that's all I did. I made little guide mixes. Oh, okay. Because uh, I think Mr. Shimmy's got better musical ears to make mix. So I gave him the guide mixes where the Spiels go and how they're uh, organized inside the songs. The little bits where the fade-ins, fade-outs. Obviously, with so much stuff, some stuff had to be trimmed down. I, I, did, I didn't want it to be longer than 72 minutes. This Mr. Shimmy sounds like um, a good guy to yeah, he's, have he's uh, a board for any part of it, if it's just a watch. And, wow. And it just like tells it. you about music. Because, yeah. like I said, it's English. Well, you know, it's coming along mixes. and stuff, but a lot of this stuff is just through... Uh, Intuition? No, no, we're communicating, but it's not like uh, me and you right now. It's natural. This is not his first language. Yeah. But music uh, can make bridges over gaps like that. And also, he's a very open man. So you're creating a third language musically to communicate. Yeah, it was. We did it by playing together. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah. But uh, he's got it. I mean, he's a... got a true heart for music it's not jive for him it's not some hustle he really believes in it he puts everything in he's got into it well just Amazing those man. those few short pieces i've heard off either your myspace or wherever it was brother sister's daughter um yeah well that's it's no, that's phenomenal it's phenomenal um stuff and some of those things you heard those are the inst- there's 13 instrumentals and there's 50 to uh no, there's 50 spiels, 13 instrumentals, and four spiels are by themselves. So there's 46 with music and spiel together. 13 music, if you want to know how 
really? record breaks wow, down. That's interesting. Now, yeah, next... it's a trippy record, but uh, I love Richard's poems. I love his persona and his mind. Well, you know, one thing I, I his stuff. He's you me, guys use their titles. Andy Boone, you know, ten of the spiels actually are ten that he wrote back in Minutemen days. We were going to collaborate with him and record. Us three Minutemen and Richard Meltzer were going to make a ten-song record. Was that b- before Buzzer Howell or, or after? No, we were going to do it. He gives us the lyrics. I bring them over, you know, no music yet. We're going to write music to these lyrics he just gives me. I go over to D. Boone's as we just get back from R.E.M. tour. And I give him to D. Boone a copy of them. Because I got a copy. I said, D. Boone, I'm going to look at these. I'm going to make up some music. You look at them, you make up some music. And he's real sick with fever. And he says, don't worry, I'll take him with me. And it, he takes him in the boat with him to that trip to Arizona. So, so we never, never got to do it because he got killed. But Richard, when he gave me the 50 spiels, 10 of them are from those days. So that was your last conversation, huh, about that? Yeah, yeah. So then I said, you're really sick, dude. You look red like a lobster, man. And he said, well, I'm, I'm not going to drive. Don't worry, I'll be in the back. That's almost like one of those portents. So I give him the words, you know. So the, the Richard Meltzer words, it's a, it's pretty, it's a, it's a connection back to the Minutemen days in a way. So he just has some. Man, Richard Meltzer was a huge hero to me in D. Boom. Well, did he wow. just out of his? You know, uh, you, you talk about Buzzer Howe because we printed a, a letter. He helped get back. us to go see you because of that letter, though. Yeah, he carried some respect. That's what happened. You know, he. Uh, yeah, my friend Fritz a card in the mail, an Ace of Spades. And he says, "One day you're going to want to play this." I wrote him. It was a, we weren't uh, I don't know the kind of a lull in the band. But people like already all figured us out. We were this did these little things and like this and maybe there's no more to say about us. So I sent him. Back. Uh, I said maybe it's time to play the card. And Richard takes that Bean Spill EP I'm t- told you about. Mm-hmm. Them five songs that came out of Carducci's label Thermidor. And he did a record review of it in Cree Magazine. And he called us Scientist Rock. And it was like, wow. Because Richard Meltzer wrote lyrics for Blue Oyster. <laughs> he wrote great we read his books and we read his stories about rock in the magazines. And, and then to meet him, he had this band called Vom in L.A. And he had a, sh- a very intense radio show on KPFK called Hepcats Hep from Hell, where he played very interesting Wild music, some of those shows. It was like a midnight to six thing or midnight to four. Oh, yeah. Like and on a Saturday. Andre Anthony. And I'd be, no, way before. Yeah, way before. In fact, she takes his spot later on. Ah, okay. But uh, I would eat L and like, listen to this show. And he was just the greatest and the chance to work with him. So uh, when this opportunity came up, I should go, Mr. Shimmy. I was like, wow. Yeah, this is a great. That's quite a triangle there, you know. Well, this is about music. Music's like this; it makes connections where you'd never expect. Well, I mean, my friend Fritz had kind of introduced me in the minute, and we kind of got into you via Meltzer. You know, he wrote these columns in the um, in the reader, the reader in the reader, and so when Buzzer Howe came out, that just 
completed the circuit there to see that on there. That tie Mel- was Meltzer, like... He lives in Portland now. Yeah. Richard Meltzer. Great cat. I had a chow with him. I was on tour. And uh, I had cutting up some habaneros. And I got them all over my fingers and in my eyes. Uh-oh. And here comes Richard to go chow. And they just sealed my eyes up. So I had to do the whole chow with him with my eyes closed and just tearing and tearing. Oh, more irony here. Yeah. Well, do you think he had some of those pieces? That was he kind of like waiting and holding those and not wanting to violate your space in terms of some using the, that material? I don't know. That you'd written? Or, I don't know. Did he come I mean, to you with it or, uh, you know? What, the spiel gusher? Well, the stuff that he had written, you know, ten? back in 84 or whatever. The ten, he, I don't know whose idea. I think it was me and D. Boone. We asked him. I mean, we just in love with the guy, man. We but I mean, him. this, this, with this project. I think project, he was going to play saxophone, too. <laughs> He'd have been a good one. He did with the words in, the, in his columns, that's for sure. Yeah, he just... Was it like called something like Musings at 3 a.m.? Or I don't know what the title of his column was, but it's interesting. He's just great. But anyway, that's a... Uh, Shimmy's working on that. And when we get we get that all mixed up, then we move on to the brother-sister-daughter. Wow. But that's a, the, but they're both all done recording. So in a weird way, things. that'll affect Mr. Shimmy's production that I wonder what I see what you mean I wonder what he makes of the cadence he's of on a salutator right thing. now uh, some cool. like kind of J-pop lady and then he's got a tour a little tour with Cornelius him and his wife play uh, a lot with Cornelius as the bass and drummer he's a very busy guy but he just such a great cat man he wants to that's one of the lame things of this tour I have to do in May because it's uh, when he comes to LA he really wanted to come to Pedro again Mishuko came to Pedro last time. He did? Yeah, I took him in the kayak. Oh, cool. One at a time, because I didn't have another one. Mm -hmm. And they'd never been in one. I pushed them out. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, that's funny. You do that to people. They called it San Pedro, because it was January. Yeah, it was like 70. And then, you know, Tokyo's not like that. (laughs) Yeah, they're great people. They're great people. It's a trippy I ran into. Music is strange the way things just happen. It's a beautiful thing. And they have a band, Lashuka and Petra, called If By Yes. And uh, both of them, with her, are the core of the Plastic Ono band. That's the cool. resurrected. So have they um, just been recording, or have they done a couple? They just finished it. A whole Yuka, new Yuka's record. Huh? Wow. Huh? Yuka? Yuka's in there. Is she playing keyboards or? Yeah. Cool. Wow. I think, you know, Yoko has something left to say and maybe the others are, will bring it. That should be an interest, some dynamic energy there. Yeah, I can't wait to hear it. Yeah. It's a trip. You know. Well, uh, we're at the end of the show. March 2nd, 2009, I'm off from Pedro's show. Keep your powder dry. <laughs>